as followers of Jesus is not just the ability to get involved in lots of activities. Our goal is to be productive for Jesus and there's a big difference between being productive and being active. The goal is productivity, not just activity. We could be doing a lot of things for Jesus, but if we're not bearing a lot of fruit from intimacy with Jesus, if we're not growing in lots of love, then the lack of love in the activity actually can spoil the usefulness of the activity. So what we're about here is productivity, not just activity. And so I'm gonna put six pointers here in this little chat as markers to help us uh, move more toward uh, productivity and not just activity. Here we go, number one. Passivity is not the answer. Sometimes we think, ah, we don't just want activity, so the answer must be that we just stop the activities. Well, Jesus doesn't say, come to me you who are weary and heavy laden, that is weighed down with heavy burdens, and just let me take that burden off of you and go free. No, what he says is actually take my yoke upon you. All right, there's a yoke. That's a set of responsibilities, a set of things to actually be about doing, right? Take my yoke upon you, or in this case, it's a rabbi's uh, be, a way, of, way of thinking and living. Take my way of thinking and living upon you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Okay, so this is not just a belief system, a divorce from a relationship. This is literally Jesus himself teaching us how to think and live like he does. And it says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me and you will find rest for your souls. Okay, so rest is a byproduct of the right relational connection with Jesus in the midst of the activities he's teaching us to be about. It's not, rest is not the result of passivity. Rest is the result of the right activity in the right relationship with Jesus. So that's the first point. First point is, Passivity is not the answer. Point number two, if you want to be productive, not just active, we need to protect and guard. We need to protect time with the Father. If you're too busy to hear the Father, you're too busy to obey the Father. If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy to obey. Many of us are so driven around by, by anxieties and, and a sense of all that needs to be accomplished that we don't discipline ourselves to carve out and then protect time to get with the Father. Anxiety will actually close the ears of your heart and make it harder for you to hear the Father. And sometimes it's just like, dude, if we take time, how many of you think, I don't have time? Well, of course you don't have time and you'll never have time until you make time. You have to make, we have to make Time. We always have time for whatever is really our priority. And if we can carve out and then fight to protect some time to get with the Father and listen to His voice. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Our life is meant to be an overflow of relational union with God. It's not meant to be a bunch of stuff we do apart from God, but for God, but rather it's meant to be a life of co-laboring with the Father, just like Jesus said, my Father's always working, and that's why I'm always working. So, number two, protect time to hear the Father's voice. Number one, passivity is not the answer to productivity. Number two, protect time to hear God's voice. Number three, 
Pr number three, prioritize your commitments. Okay. Um, if you make a bunch of commitments, that will fill your time and your schedule and take up your energy. But if those commitments are not tested against what you know to be your calling, then you will end up busy and stressed out, busy with things that seem good to you but aren't what God wants you to be about. Protect your commitments. Commit carefully. You should have very few commitments in your life that are, have a deep and abiding yes. There should be maybe two to three things that you are going to commit to long term. And those things that you commit to, those things should have to do with arranging your daily life and your daily routine around accomplishing in your only one life that you got. I put two fingers up. You have one life to accomplish what you're on the planet to accomplish. Is your daily routine, is it arranged around producing what you, what you know you want to be producing with your one life? If not, then you got to start eliminating some things to make sure that you have protected your commitments. I say two to three, and those should be clearly related to what you're about. There's going to be a sweet spot in your life, and it's sometimes a challenge to discover what it is, a sweet spot between the things you're passionate about, the things you're good at, and the things where there's people with a need. If you can find the place where your passions, your abilities, and the needs of others come together, then you'll have a, you'll have a sustainable, a sustainable uh, work where when you give yourself to it fully, uh, it won't burn you out. It will not burn you out. Because your passion, your gifting, and the needs of others will coalesce to make this wonderful sweet spot. Well, anyway, number three is prioritize your commitments. Yeah, number four, pace yourself. My dad always says, slow is fast, and fast is slow. And what he means is, if you, if you choose an unsustainable pace, you're going to burn out. And you're going to crash and burn. But if you pick a sustainable pace, you'll be able to sustain that for the long term. It's the classic tortoise and the hare. Dad also says fast is slow. And what he means is, if you're hasty and you miss the way, if you're hasty and you make a commitment that you shouldn't be making because the mood in the room was a certain way, or because the speaker was enthusiastic, or because you saw the value of their vision and dream, and you jumped on board. They sold it. They did a great job selling it. But it was human. It was human fuel poured on a fire that didn't have any real logs underneath, any real depth, spiritual depth for your life. It might be their thing, but it didn't have spiritual depth for your life. Now it burns out and fades away. That's not good. Now you've said yes to something and you didn't follow through with it. And now you've got to backtrack. And all that time doing it and then backtracking, all that's wasted time. That's so inefficient. That's slow. Fast is slow. Being too quick to say yes ends up being a very slow disappointment. Being slow to say yes, measuring the yes very carefully is extremely important. Now that's back on protect your, your commitments again. But pace yourself once you even know what you're called to. Pick a sustainable pace. I, I hear people, they want to say, well, let's do, they're just toying with something they're implementing in their life and then they just try to bite off so much more than is reasonable. 
if you're starting up a ministry, instead of going, we're going to do this every Sunday for the rest of our lives, why not say we're going to do this once a month and see how this goes and build a team around it to where we can do it every other Sunday and then and, and, and then go from there. If you're, if you're trying to do some Bible reading and you're starting out and you say to yourself, I'm going to read the, through the whole Bible in three months' time, or even if you're like, I'm going to read through the whole Bible in a year, how about you just commit to reading some Bible every day? Just some, just some. Just pick a pace that you can sustain for the rest of your life. Just pick, read some every day. I don't care if it's a chapter. I don't care if it's a page. And then what if that, well, we'll talk more about that later. But pace yourself. Holy cow, people don't think long term. And they don't think whole life. Like the, the thing you're committing to right now, is it, is it what's, what's the whole, what else is going on in your life? What else is going on in your community's life? Is what you're doing going to contribute to burnout and tiny rewards, tiny yield, or is it going to be the little bit that adds a ton because it's, it's, it's consistent? Answer slow, commit slow, uh, check your abiding and, and enduring desires. Don't just be flaky in the moment and commit to stuff. Check your abiding and enduring desires, man. Check your abiding and enduring desires. Do not commit fast. Fast is slow. Commit slow and then you'll get something achieved. Alright, number five. This if, if, man, this is probably the most important one of all of them. I'm serious. Number five is probably the most important one of all of them. I don't know why I didn't put it number one. Pay attention to how things affect your passion for God. And make the course corrections. I am dead serious. Scripture says to, Paul says to Timothy, to watch your life and your doctrine closely and to persevere in them. What does it mean to watch your life? Look, your heart is the wellspring of your life. And if your heart is not growing in love for God, but it's growing cold toward God, pay attention to the activities you're engaging in that are causing your heart to shrivel up and lose passion. Pay attention to the activities you're engaging in that are causing your heart of passion to inflame and enlarge and make the course corrections. You see, it's not about I read my Bible today because I should. Okay, is your Bible reading inflating and, and in feeding the passion with God? If it isn't, it's time for you to reevaluate and make adjustments in the way you're reading the Bible, in the way you're approaching that. Is your, are your hobbies inflaming your heart with passion for the Lord? Or are they stifling your passion for the Lord? Like, there's nothing wrong with baseball. But if you, watching baseball and doing fantasy football or whatever, the, there's nothing, I love sports, but pay attention to how things are affecting your passion for God. There's nothing wrong with secular music. There's, what we need to stop doing is making rules for things. It's not about rules. It's about relationship. But if it's about relationship, then we need to measure the right thing. And what we need to measure is what is this doing to my passion for Jesus? Is this dulling my passion? Is this increasing my passion? Man, I just about guarantee you, if you, if you learn to, to pay attention to how things affect your passion, you watch your passion, pay attention. If you'll make these little course corrections, my suspicion is that will, that will start to be, like look, I used to make these, I was making these videos, I was making announcement videos for church, and it got to the point where Every time I would make an announcement video, I'd feel like I was disobeying the Lord. There's not, you're not going to find a Bible verse about this, right? There's no Bible verse that says don't make announcement videos or do make announcement videos. People liked them. 
I liked them. But there was, but I, if I was paying attention to my soul, there was something that was saying, this isn't what you're supposed to be about here, dude. You're supposed, you're supposed to make an adjustment. I made an adjustment. Instantly, I started to have energy come back for, for uh, creative kingdom stuff, engaging in new creative kingdom stuff. Why? Because that was taking up all my little energies that Jesus, and Jesus didn't ask me to do that. He didn't ask me to do that. I did it because I, I wanted announcement time to be shorter <laughs> at church. But I just, man, if, you, if you're muscling through in spiritual disciplines, if you're just muscling through and doing your duty, I just plead with you, keep it fresh. Find what's getting you, find what draws the Spirit of God into your life. Find what, what inflames your heart with passion. And it's not always immediately available. Like sometimes there's things that you don't like them at first, like veggies, and they're the healthiest thing for you. That's not what I'm talking, I'm not talking about pay attention to whether you like it. I'm talking about pay attention to what happens in here and your passion for God and make the, avail make the appropriate course correction. Man, I don't even know, I can't even say that enough about that one. See, and, and what we're looking for is fruit, right? We're looking for fruit, not just productivity. The goal, the goal, what I mean by fruit is Galatians 5 fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what I'm calling. That, that's, what we want to, that's what we want to be producing. So if what's coming out of us is anxiety, uh, uh, despair, uh, short-tempered with people, um, you know, harsh, harshness, hardness, instead of gentleness, uh, tendency to constantly be breaking commitments, over, overtaxing ourselves, we can't be faithful, follow through, and, and just a lack of self-control, where you can't do, you can't tell yourself yes or no anymore. That, see, the fruit of the Spirit are not a list of things to do. The fruit of the Spirit are not a list of things to do. The fruit of the Spirit are outcomes. They are effects of living in the spirit of walking by faith. See, we take, the, we take the gospel and we put our faith to it and then grace comes. That's the power of Jesus. The grace comes and it, and it brings its power and, and, makes, and causes us to live it out. It's Christ living through us. That's called the way of faith in Galatians. Then there's the way of law. And the way of law puts us actually squarely in the power of human weakness. And it it's terrible. And so that's all Paul's point of with fruit, with the fruit of the Spirit is the outcome of being rooted in human stuff is godlessness, idolatry, anxiety, anger, resentment, bitterness, disunity, factions, frustration, despair, blame shifting, like you name it. It's yucky stuff. Everything less than love. The outcome of being in this, this is what I'm saying, pay attention to your, to your heart, pay attention to your heart. We're about love, joy, peace, patience. You know, and if we don't start to pay attention to our heart, like if you're an evangelist and you're out there on the streets and you're just sharing Jesus with everyone, but you don't have love, love, joy, and peace, just do the whole church a favor and shut up, go home. It's God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Like a, a Christian activity apart from fruit apart from the fruit of the Spirit, is damaging and destructive. And, okay, and I, I gotta say this. The seed is in the fruit. The seed is in the fruit. The seed is in the fruit, right? We bear fruit 
And what makes us effective at making disciples is not all of our activities. Man, we're going to have them. It's not our Bible studies. We're going to do them because we're commanded to preach and teach and train. But what makes our activities powerful is not how diligently we do the activities, but rather it's the Spirit of Jesus in us. It's the character and the image of Jesus in us. It's the fruit. The seed is in the fruit. What I mean is, when you bear love, when you become love, when, when our souls are, 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 are inflamed with the right things, when we're rooted in the right things, we're paying attention to our soul, and we're not just doing a, a list of rules, but we're working with Jesus out of relationship, we're staying in a place where we're here prioritizing the Father's voice, and we're committing to only a few things that we're actually anointed and created to do instead of just doing a, a bunch of stuff out of human stuff, human, human stuff. When we slowing down and we're keeping in the, in the place of the presence, we're doing all the simple things I've said so far, the seed is in the fruit, man. The seed for others. You're going to want what you have. See, then you don't have to go out and like make yourself evangelize. Then you got Peter saying, always be ready to give an answer to the, for the reason for the hope you have. In other words, you're not out there inflicting your worldview on people, unsuspecting and uninvited. You're, you're living in such a way. You're loving in such a way. You're having hope and suffering. You're having generosity. Uh, even when you're not wealthy, you're... you're returning kindness for rudeness, you're, you're just weird. You look like love and it's, it's, un, and it's uncommon. You're, you're, you don't, your cancer diagnosis is not the end of the world for you because you have a life that's stronger than death that cancer can't touch. Anyway, so it's, it's always be ready to give an answer for the reason for the hope you have, meaning people are gonna say, you're so different, how you have this, what is, what is your deal? And you go, my hope's in Jesus, man. He's everything to me. And you got a ready answer. You got a story. You got you got a you got words that come from a life. But it's the it's the only reason they're gonna want your seeds is if your seeds are in some tasty fruit, baby. Come on. Know what I'm saying? All right. And then the final one. You know, some people might be tempted to say, well, in order to get out of activity, in order to get away from all of this mess. I'm going to just me and Jesus hold up, man. I'm just going to take what Tim said and it's just going to be me and Jesus. Forget church. Uh, no, point six is if you really want to bear good fruit, which is love, then you participate in community to kill pride. <laughs> man, pride is the opposite of love. And C.S. Lewis said, C.S. Lewis said, I don't, he didn't, he said he didn't go to church because he liked the music. He said the music was fifth-rate poetry set to sixth-rate music. He didn't go to church because he liked the people. <laughs> he didn't like the people. He didn't go to church for the sermons. Uh, he said he went to church because he strongly believed that if you isolate away from church or if you, if you, if you leave God's people behind, you become, you, you, you become taken down by something he called solitary pride just just learning how to really genuinely love these imperfect people called the saints uh, it is an antidote to solitary pride it creates humility and dude if you can't love your imperfect neighbor who you see then the idea that you love God because you have these wise beliefs about him that are so right. Like, as though God cares about how right you are. <laughs> he doesn't care. Galatians says, all that matters is faith being expressed through love. It's not about, like, 
my doctrine is right, my worldview is right, I am amazing. If everyone would just think like me, the world would be better. <laughs> no, no, how's your worldview working for you? Well, I know how it's working for you. Do you love like Jesus loves? Do you love with the love of Jesus? Uh, there it is, there's your six. We're about productivity, not just activity. Boom. So let me get this straight. You had scrapple and eggs. Yeah. And then you had pancakes. No, that was a snack. I had that was a snack. Is that actually from a board? That's a pretty frumpy, it's a pretty frumpy looking feather. So is it actually from a real board? It's from a frumpy bird. Going? Take a picture of what? That mushroom? Mm. That's tasty.